Welcome to today's episode brought to you by the Women in Medicine Summit, a transformational CME conference happening September 13th to 14th at the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Engage in leadership programming, learn negotiation skills, receive on-site coaching and mentoring, and see who will win this year's I Stand With Her Awards. This year, we're excited to offer unique programming that includes a special session on how using improv comedy can bring fun back into medicine. We also have financial sessions tailored to help you navigate the complexities of personal and professional finances. Discover ways to advance into leadership roles, combat burnout, and either reignite your love for your current role or find joy in a new career path. Don't forget our Friday evening gala, a highlight this year you definitely won't want to miss. Register now at womeninmedicinesummit.org and be part of the movement that is shaping the future of healthcare. Join us to network, learn, and celebrate the power of women in medicine. Welcome to the Revitalizing Doctor podcast. We explore with our guests how you can move from surviving to thriving as a physician. We know that when you connect with your values and authenticity, you can live a life that is fulfilling and not only good for you, but drives the necessary transformation in healthcare to take better care of our physicians, which means better care for our patients. All right, so we're going to jump in with part two of Holiday Harmony. My guest is Dr. Christina Shenvey. And let's give a quick recap of what we covered in part one. So we're talking about how people can have a better holiday season. Christina, you want to summarize what we've talked about so far? Yes, we are about creating holiday harmony. And my take home here is it's not about packing in more. It's really about understanding what do you want to create? What's most important to you? So my framework here was deciding what's important to you during the holidays and how do you want to feel? And what would you need to do to create those feelings? All very well and good to say, I want to feel peace and joy. What would you need to do to create those feelings this holiday season? And we also recognize that holidays come with some mixed emotions, sometimes loss or grief from a loved one, or sometimes some interpersonal turmoil from family dynamics. But deciding what's most important to you, what you want to look back on in five years and remember and taking your own pulse first, really developing some self-awareness about how you're feeling and how you want to go into this season. And then in planning, we talked about being selective and intentional about what you put on your to-do list and then creating a to-don't list. And this is to save you from yourself. All of the things that you in your head are saying, I should do this, my home should look like that, my family should act in this way. And putting those on your to-don't list, meaning you are going to not just not do them, but you are going to actively avoid them because they are a threat to what's most important to you. And then the third step, we talked about doing, meaning how do you want to be present as you are doing these things? Maybe it's through monotasking. Maybe it's through giving your mind and soul a gift of rest this holiday season and reflecting on what you need to do to let your soul catch up with your body. I love this. So we've covered deciding, planning, doing, and now we're going to spend some time on reflecting. 
the last step, but really the reflecting goes throughout the entire process, right? Absolutely. And this is a chance for us to reflect in several different ways. The first simplest way is to just reflect on our operations. Okay, what do I want to do? What do I need to do? How much time will that take? Looking back to what did I like doing last year? What do I want to carry forward this year? What do I want to get rid of? That's a form of reflection. That's kind of operational reflection, I think of. But then a little bit deeper reflection is looking at what is driving my sense of should. What is driving my overstriving or overworking or setting unrealistic expectations in the holidays? And it's probably a combination of some positive things of I want to create joy or magical memories for my kids or my family. But then often there's some negative motivators too of feeling shame if We don't have that Hallmark movie Pinterest board perfect home or not being an amazing cook or host, et cetera. I, as a little aside, I went to a dinner recently with some women at one of the women's houses and her house truly is, it could have just popped out of the pages of a magazine and her place settings had each individual little bouquets all matched and coordinated with bouquets throughout the house. And one of those place settings with a plate and a salad bowl and another soup bowl. And she just served us this amazing meal. And I felt this whole mix of emotions. And part of it was a deep gratitude of being served and blessed in that way of just having her put so much beauty and um, love in front of us. But then I also felt a little bit of, wow, you don't do that, do you? Your house doesn't look like this. She doesn't have a speck of dirt or a toy on the floor, despite also having four kids like me. And and realizing and recognizing that and saying, you know what? Like those thoughts are getting in the way of me just feeling this amazing beauty and experiencing this connection and this wonderful evening with these other people. And it was just also like so moving to be cared for in that way. And she was just such a lovely host. So looking at both the positive and negative sources of motivation during the holiday is our, I would say, second level of reflection. Yeah. What you just said there, a phrase that I'll say to myself sometimes is, you are enough. Like, you are enough. You are worthy without having these accolades, without having the perfect dinner setting. Like, those are nice to have. and but they're not what is tied to my self-worth. And I think that's where sometimes we get tripped up. I'm reading Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection. And one quote yesterday, I was at the gym listening on my audiobook, and it stopped me in my tracks. I had to like pause the recording, listening to it, listen to it again and write it down. But she said, your level of belonging can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance. And I still sort of need to unpack that a little bit. And I think there's a lot in there. But her premise is that all of us as humans seek love and belonging. They're core things to our our nature as humans. But with that, we need to accept ourselves. And when we are doing these things, these, I have to have the perfect home, I have to be the perfect hostess, I have to be able to reproduce this amazing place settings like this amazing woman did. We are saying to ourselves, 
I will accept myself if. I will accept mm. myself when. I will accept myself. I will be okay if I create a perfect holiday dinner. I will be enough when my children behave perfectly when company are over. And whenever we are saying those things like, I will be happy when, or I will be happy if, look at what we're doing. We're limiting our capacity for happiness, for self-acceptance, or for joy in the moment, and we're putting conditions on it. Therefore, I cannot be happy, satisfied, or have a sense of self-acceptance and belonging until these conditions are met. And guess what? Those conditions are almost never going to be met because they are up there with the unattainable. That is a lot to unpack. But yes, that that conditional thinking. And again, I'm going to go back and blame medical education for a lot of us that this conditional thinking that I will be worthy when I'm AOA. I will be worthy mm-hmm. when I get my first choice on my match. I will be worthy when I get my first choice of this job. And so then it just translates into other areas. And coming back to this book, which I'll make sure is listed in the resources on perfectionism, the author, it was such a game changer for me because we know if when you do perfectionist thinking and you've done any type of self-help or gone to therapy or coaching, most people will tell you, well, don't do that. Just don't. It's, <laughs> it's a setup for all this grief. And the problem is if perfectionism is part of your base tendencies, telling you to don't do it really doesn't help. Because then what usually comes after the don't is a shame spiral. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. the game changer was for me is instead of saying, well, don't do that, is to recognize that my base tendency is going to be to do that. So really the win is not in not having the thought. It's the win is recognizing the thought and then choosing how I want to move forward, which a lot of times it's like, oh, that's my perfectionism creeping up. And in Mm -hmm. this arena at this time, that's really not helpful. There are times that the perfectionism is incredibly adaptive and important. I'm proud of my perfectionism with procedural sedation. I'm really proud of it. I love having like the anesthesia mindset of this person will not remember this, have nausea or pain. And I'm really proud of it when that happens. But honestly, the perfectionism about the place setting when I'm having a dinner party tonight, for me, isn't, it's not good. I don't have time to do it. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter for me. What's your reflection on that? Oh, so much, so much great stuff. The, the shame spiral. I think about this idea of, well, just don't think that way. Well, oh, okay. Sorry to be sarcastic, but if it were that simple, I would have figured this out myself. That always feels to me like going up to somebody who is running a 100 meter race in the Olympics and sprinting as hard as they can and like going up to them and be like, well, if you want to win, why don't you just run faster? Well, okay. The, what a stupid comment. And you're right. That triggers more shame because now I feel shame about the fact that I can't get my mind together enough to overcome this. 
And the first step is noticing it, naming it. Sometimes people will give it an actual name like, oh, that's Shannon. That's my perfectionism. She just likes to come out and make me have a less happy day. So noticing it and you don't have to actually give it a name if unless that helps you. Sometimes I do and that helps me kind of externalize it a little bit to say that is something else that is external that I can choose to let be internal or I can let it be external. But naming this that, oh, I am putting conditions, I'm being conditional, or I am letting perfectionism set the standard instead of my goals of joy and peace setting the standard. So I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I think one of my friends the other day, we were unpacking something that happened at work and we got to a good place with my colleague at work. And I complained to her that my friend that I was just so frustrated that I still had to go through this whole uncomfortable situation. And she laughed and she's like, well, you were doing the work like that. That is what this is about. And again, coming back to that book on perfectionism, there's this idea of process perfectionism where it's not enough for some of us that the outcome was good. I wanted the process to be perfect. And I wonder if that also happens during the holidays. Like, well, it's not only that I wanted the Christmas tree to be up and perfectly lit. I wanted the process of putting that Christmas tree up that everybody was having like this eggnog and had Christmas music on the background that everyone's singing to. And the process of putting up the Christmas tree was beautiful, where in reality, it's like we can't find the extra box of lights and now half of them aren't working. So I'm kind of reflecting on that, that sometimes what gets in the way is I also have this whole process layer that gets added on. Yes, absolutely agree. And this comes back to the, we have this expectation of the holidays being a magic Hallmark movie the whole time where everyone is singing and happy and getting along. And instead, let's keep some realistic expectations. Yeah. Is there anything else under reflection that you want to cover? Yeah. We've talked about reflecting on our operations, reflecting on our motivation, and then reflecting on our thinking and where we are putting conditions on our happiness or conditions on our peace. And there's a lot more we can unpack there. It's not, a again, a switch that you flip and all of a sudden you think differently. But also finding maybe one thing in which you want to learn or grow this season. Or maybe it's one thing you want to let go of. So not trying to all of a sudden make 25 changes and completely overhaul your season. But what is just one thing that you want to let go of? And really making that something you come back to. Or one thing that you want to learn. Or one way that you want to grow. Maybe it's If you're more introverted, you want to grow in connecting with people. Or maybe it's, I want to let go of that perfectionism. And so then I will come back to that over and over to notice perfectionism is creeping in. I'm going to do some personal work, some journaling, some reflection, and work on coming up with what's not, not again, trying to get to, well, I don't care about being perfect, but what's the next step? Not what's 10 
years down the road, but what's the next step that I can take? And then creating a motto or a guiding principle. For me, my motto for this holiday season is that phrase I said of, I want to let myself slow down to let my soul catch up with my body. And Mm. so giving time to just reflect on what does that mean to me? Where is my soul in relation to my body? That's doing that pulse check. Where am I today? What's going on in my thoughts and emotions? And letting myself have time for the silence or the stillness or the monotasking, which is for me what helps allow myself that greater sense of embodiment like you used. So what is your personal goal? What is your one step that you want to take? What's a motto or guiding principle that you can come back to this season? I think that's a great way to close out this segment because this is really a call to action to create that motto, create that mantra that you can use throughout the holiday season to center yourself. Because we covered a lot, but when you're in the moment of (laughs) potential oncoming shame spiral or comparison of what could I tell myself that would connect me back to my body and help me make a better choice, the next best step to have more joy this season, more peace. Absolutely. Well, Christina, this has been a real joy having you on our podcast and videocast. I'm guessing that there's a few people listening that may be feeling a lot of overwhelm and not even really sure how they could get started. So I want to put a quick plug in that if they haven't watched your time management series that's available under Shifting Your Mindset, start there. But if they think they need more one-on-one work or potentially group work, is that something they could reach out to you for? Absolutely. And my goal is to help busy professionals, physician women, do more with less stress, meaning do more of what matters to them, not just pack in more productivity. And so I do that with one-on-one coaching. I'm a certified coach. And I'm also about to launch a coupled coaching, which is a way to get coaching both individually and with your significant other. But you can find me at timeforyourlife.org. There's a form there you can fill out, send me an email, and I would be happy to talk with you about how you personally can help change your mindset or escape the shame spiral or whatever it is that is getting in your way. That is awesome. And that's the first time I've heard of couples time management. I think that is absolutely brilliant. I can see the value in that because I think so many people I hear about just difficulty aligning expectations between two people in a household. So I can think of no one better than Dr. Christina Shenby to bring wisdom and creating a space to really help with these difficult moments in life. And time is We can't make more of it, so we better make the best of it. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks for listening to the Revitalizing Doctor podcast. This podcast is brought to you by 
Revitalize Women Physician Circle, founded by Dr. Linda Lawrence and Dr. Andrea Austin, your host. You can connect with us on our website at www.peoplealwayshcc.com slash revitalize. You can tweet at us at Revitalize Women, and please connect with us on LinkedIn at Revitalize Women Physician Circle. We look forward to helping you go from surviving to thriving. This podcast represents our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It does not represent any entity that we work for or with, including the military, the government, or any other institution. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.